1: This is Writing Excuses, Season 3, Episode 19, Emotion in Fiction with John Brown. Fifteen minutes long, because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And we once again have John Brown with us, and we're going to actually be pitching a lot of questions at him this time, because this is kind of his topic. So, just as a reminder, John Brown writes epic fantasy. His first book is coming out from Tor um, in mid-October.
2: October 13th.
1: I was only a couple of days yeah, on. Yeah, only yeah, one day long. All right. All right. So emotion and fiction. Why did you want to talk about this topic, John?
2: Well, this one is incredibly important to me for two reasons. The first is, as an author, this was one of the two things that added 10 years, 10 years to me breaking in. And it was how I dealt with rejection and hopes and fears. Uh, you know, I, I had to dance with the dark lady of depression for about 10 years until I figured out that... I was dealing with that, and then when I did, the insights into from that into writing fiction were were incredible. Okay, because fiction is all about guiding an emotional response in a reader.
1: Yeah, um, I. I... I think what we'll do then is we'll break this podcast into two parts. The first part will talk about you during that time trying to break in, because a lot of our listeners are trying to break in and how you dealt with all of these emotions. And then the second part will be what you learned and how you learned to apply that to your writing. So first part, um, what was generating what, what was generating all this, these 10 years? What was fueling it and turning you in? What, what caused the depression? Well, that's a that terrible question to ask. No, let's, that's let's say, what, I, what specifically about the writing process fueled your depression?
2: Well, no, I, I think the, the the cause of the depression is good because uh, it 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 talks about the emotion. So, so let me just. There were two things that were killing me with writing. The first was I did not spend enough time at it, and my okay. mind is like a furnace. And if I don't have enough time. Right. I, you know, I'm always just getting up to speed, and then never really getting anywhere. Or I, yeah. I'm able to write, and six months later I come back and have to have to junk it. Yeah. Now Now, in that in and of itself is a problem. You have to just come, you know, overcome it. But but depression or emotions they depend on a couple of things, and there are three nodes. There's there's there, you you have these the sensory input or thought, and there are two paths to emotion. There's a very quick one goes to your you know, technically amygdala and then your thalamus and then boom, you've got a physical response. There's another pathway that goes at the same time. You get the same input and it goes up to your cortex and you think about it. So you go outside and step on on this slithery thing Boom. That's the quick way of emotion. And you jump back mm-hmm. and you think it's a snake, but you don't really... It's kind of a fuzzier thinking, but it's quick. And then the next one, you see, oh, that 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 slithers a little bit too long. That's the hose. So here's the deal, mm-hmm. right? Here's how this ties in. That cognitive thing, uh, when I was trying to break, it, break in and, write, and I think most writers or a lot of writers have this, you write something and there is a cognitive thought that comes through your mind, this is junk. Or you go out and you read yeah. somebody's stuff and you're like... I will never be able to compete with this guy. You know, I just read Orson Card. Holy schnitzel. You know, I, there's no way, why am I even trying to compete with Stephen King? Oh, I, I just might as well. So you have these thoughts that come through your mind. You know, right. you get a bad review or, or somebody said, somebody doesn't say something about yours that they said about somebody else's. And, and if you're not careful, at least in my case, if you're not careful, those have an immediate effect because those thoughts are input. They have an immediate effect on your emotions and then, on your writing, right? So, okay. Yeah. Am I answering yeah. the question? Yeah, no, that, well, that's that's perfect. let's perfect. Let's but let's dig into it a little bit. How specifically did you deal with it when you were comparing yourself to other writers? Okay, so this is great. So, so if you look at depression, about sixty percent of people can be treated with cognitive therapy. And what cognitive therapy does, you know, you have those three nodes again. You got the, you know, this very quick emotion. You've got the physical response, and then you have your cognitions, your thoughts. And what cognitive therapy does, and the whole basis of that is, the reason why you're sad or depressed is because you're thinking certain things and, that, that are causing that, they're distortions of reality. And this is where this falls into play. Here I am, I, re- I read, um, I can't remember who I read, just, just recently. Um, and it was that same thing, it was, oh, holy crap, what am I doing? right? There's mm-hmm. no way I'm going to be able to compete. Immediately then, I used my cognitive therapy tool, which is mm-hmm. I, need to, I need to write that, that feeling down and write the thought that went with it. And then I examine the thought and say, is that really realistic? Oh, this guy actually has 20 years of writing experience. Well, no wonder his book is so good. What was his first book like? Eh, It was pretty good, but it wasn't that good, you know. And so that's the process. And there are a number of these things that I notice with other writers that they do all the time.
1: Well, and something else, something that I do um, is I I look at, I take a step back and say, okay, the things I'm noticing that they're doing are what they shine at. And oftentimes it'll be I'll notice what someone else shines at that happens to be a particular weakness of mine, and and then compare the books that way as unfavorably as humanly possible, looking at their bright point and my dim point if you reassess you can look and say look there are some things i do really well that they're not even trying um and I, and, and that's one of those mental gymnastics that helps me and you, you guys got anything dan no okay dan has nothing <laughs> i was i,
0: I was going to say that they're uh, all even you know, cute. i struggle well, no, 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 I, I struggle, I struggle like with this. the same i struggle with the same sort of emotions and there are days when i look at myself and say boy i am really depressed something's got me down and i have to throw everything I'm doing through the cognitive filter and think about it. I, I'm not allowed to have a visceral reaction right. without thinking about it, or at least trying to think about it. And when I'm done, often I identify, oh, this is because I read that one email from that one person, yeah. and uh, and it got me thinking about this, and that's not a happy thought. And, that's really kind of irrelevant. It has right. nothing to do with what I'm trying to accomplish today so I can be happy. Yeah. And sometimes that thought works and sometimes it doesn't. And I think the difference between, you know, clinically depressed people who have to be medicated and people who can get
1: by is whether or not that particular strategy works. Yeah. Though, I, I do want to say, we, we This isn't an episode about depression. It's an episode about being a writer and dealing with these things. We did do an entire podcast on dealing with criticism. Perhaps, Mm -hmm. you know, we can point back at that. But let's, again, focus it on the new writer. One of the things you mentioned that um, you had a problem with was that mental energy, finding time for writing. What did you specifically do to overcome that?
2: Yeah, that's a a good question. I was in a, a very transformational workshop. It was Orson Card's boot camp. And uh, you know, it's I, I write about it on my blog, but that was that was the the climax of my writing because if if I didn't perform there, I was I was going to be done. That was it. The the manuscripts were going in the garbage. The books were going to be sold, and I was done. And one of the insights there is that, uh, you know, they talked about finding time and making time, and here's Mary Higgins Clark, a single mother, getting up at 5.30 in the morning to get an hour and a half to write. Here was another guy in the boot camp, this guy named Paul Bishop, who writes these um, police uh, novels, and he he's very, very busy. He heads up L.A.'s, half of L.A.'s uh, uh, sex crimes unit, or something, something like that. So he, incredibly busy, making time to write, and I just had to say, that's it. If I want to do this, if I've got to make time to write. If they can yeah. do it, I can do it. So I got up early. During breaks, I'd walk around and think about it. My lunch, I would write. And that broke that damn for me. And suddenly, the idea started flowing. But I still had to deal with these other yeah. these other writerly messages right. that are just distortions that I think a lot of writers run okay. into.
1: Okay. Um, one thing you said there that I think is, is very important is, um, and a lot of writers, new writers, don't realize this. The mental time you spend not necessarily writing is as important as the time you spend writing. Finding a couple hours at night to write, most of the time isn't enough, because we need to focus on something. I've got a friend who's, who's a, a school teacher. He has so much trouble writing, not because he can't find time to write, because he can't find time to spend thinking about his writing, because he's always focusing on his students, which is great. It's important for him. But Find mental energy. OK. And that's why when I lie down to take a nap, yeah. I am working. Right. The right. voices are playing in my and head. And you need to find, and time, for and to find time for that. I have to find for that. new writers have to be able to say, OK, now is not the time to think about work. Now is time to think about writing. And that can be very hard to do. Mm-hmm. Second half of the podcast, let's dig into how do you use this, John? How do you take all this experience? Um, this turmoil, this depression, this wrangling with yourself, and apply it to your fiction.
2: Yeah, well, this was the fascinating thing. There is a book. So, if anybody out there is dealing with, with this, the book you have to get is "Feeling Good" by David Burns, and a story that will change your life if you're dealing with it. But, but as I was reading that, and as a writer, all of a sudden, all these lights started going on for me because writing is the process. You are guiding a good book, guides the reader into a, an arc of emotions. And and so what I found was that I needed to make sure that they had the thoughts in the text. I had to make sure that, that we put in the thoughts that would lead to suspense, that would lead to mirth, that okay. would lead to whatever the effect was that I was yearning after. Okay. And once I identified that, and then the other thing, and this goes back to Adam, and, and I'd read this before but not put it together, but this is Adam Smith's Theory of Moral Sentiments, and that is... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have that emotion by having somebody tell me about it. I'm gonna have it by seeing the raw inputs. So don't tell me to be scared. Show me something that is gonna scare the crap out of me. Right? Yeah. Don't don't tell me yeah. to be creepy. You have mm-hmm. to show me something. You have to give me these things that that would in that would elicit evoke that response in me as if I were out on the street. It's show right? don't
1: tell. Yeah. Uh, no, um, now you're making us sound stupid again because you said that. <laughs> About 10 times as well as we ever have. So stop it. Oh. So I'm just stop. joking. You I'm just like, joking, John.
0: I, I just figured out. He's yeah. He's the same guy. <laughs> he yeah, he that is that guy. He is that guy that posts
1: that stuff he's on the our guy forum who posts that makes that us stuff look on dumb. It. Get out of <laughs> here. <laughs> You'll uh, have your turn in prose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, our stupidity aside. Um, so so I, I actually have a point on this. Um, at uh, the Stoker conference that I went to, F. Paul Wilson was giving a talk about. Uh, you know, engaging emotions in the reader, and he said that, especially in in that genre, in horror, that character was vitally important because yeah. you wouldn't be scared unless you were scared for the character. Right. And that means that you had to be attached to that character, and that means that you had to, you know, love that character, which means the character has to be incredibly strong. And so, for me, really strong characters that the reader identifies with are the surest r- route to
2: uh, evoking these emotions. Okay. Um. Well, I just, something else that goes along with that is, um, you know, you will not, in the cognitive research that they've done, you, you will not have an emotion if you do not believe. There's a threat or there's an opportunity. Okay. So, so yeah. th- that's why it's so incredibly important that it's believable. You will not have an emotion if, if it's not clear, right? Okay. This is why it's so important to be clear. The mm-hmm. other thing is, you know, we, we talk about the rule of three and three, three of this and three details and three whatever. Yeah. But the reason why this is so important is because our working memory only has so many slots. And so if I go and I'm trying to be clear, Right? And I'm trying to be believable. And this kind of is what Mary was talking about with focusing attention. I have to make sure, because of the working memory, I have to make sure I'm focusing them on these critical, salient details that will trigger, that, that evoke that situation for right. them. And so that's why you don't want to load it down. That's why you want to have characters that have a dominant impression because they can't remember it, right? They've got that working memory thing, and you have to focus them in on that, so...
1: Right. It kind of comes back to the the whole stage magician aspect, which I talk about a lot. Um, How you use and focus somebody so you can punch them in the side of the head with a surprise. But a lot of times that focus itself is really important because that's what's going to be in their memory. I've been going to the wrong magic shows. You can go to a magic show and be punched in the head? Yeah, by William Shatner. It only costs 200 bucks. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, inside joke that... You know, if you'd listen to the episodes in between episodes, you would get. The unepisodes. Oh. Um, all right. So, John, um, I want to ask a very hard question of you. How? How specifically are you doing this? Can you give our readers something that they can try, that they can practice, that'll make their, their emotions spring out at um, their readers better?
2: Well, the first thing is what everybody has already talked about. And that is think about what is going to... When I'm writing, I am yearning for an effect. Sometimes I'm very explicit about that. I know I want to have a great beginning. You know, I don't know exactly, but I want to... Or sometimes it's a very emotional thing and I'm yearning for the effect. And so the first, the question that I always ask myself is, what do I need to... What would elicit that effect in me as in, in real life? And I've got to put that in there. So it just depends on what I'm trying to do, and this is like what you're talking about with with twists and turns and surprises. I've always got to say to myself, what would evoke that, and then mm-hmm. then go back and do. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's what you're looking well, for, if, but that's that's what I, that's the question that I have. No, that's to ask fairly myself. that's yeah. fairly
0: concrete because if you yeah. kick that, uh, if if the writer in question is somebody who has been. Uh, struggling with emotions, and has, and has actually kicked things through that cognitive loop and been thinking about their emotions. That is a tool that they, they can then apply to their writing because you take the character and you push them through that cognitive loop, only you give them the information that you had in your head mm-hmm. and and then force them out of the cognitive loop so they're having the visceral reaction instead of the thinky one. Yeah,
2: yeah let, me, let me just go on this. There, there were two things. For example, I wanted to write a romance, and I also wanted to write about villainous heroes. And so I said to myself, "Okay, having the working memory issue, having all these others, what, how can we write villainous heroes and have them actually work? What is it that's being presented to the mind that makes me still cheer for these people?" And when I asked that question, I came up with a number of surprising insights. Same thing with romance. What is it that I, what is it that I have to have to be able to start feeling romance or attraction? Oh. I've got to have this, this, and this. And so and when I ask that question, I usually get some good insights into the emotion, and then I can say, okay, I've got to put that in the book somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. He's got to be a noble character. He's got to be attractive in some way. He's got to do something. So that, that's kind of how I approach it.
1: Okay. Um, let's go ahead and do a writing prompt. Um, I think that might be a good one right there. A, a story about villainous heroes that has a romantic element that inspires terror in, in your reader. That's going to be your goal. All right? This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go right.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for 2.49 dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.